0: Welcome to the American Academy of Dermatology's Dialogues in Dermatology podcast series. Hello and welcome to the podcast of the Journal of the American Academy of Dermatology. I'm Dr. Lauren Council, Associate Professor of Dermatology at Washington University in St. Louis, Missouri, and I have the pleasure of speaking today with Dr. Alan Mentor. Dr. Mentor co-chaired the AAD's Guidelines Committee for Psoriasis. He's also the founding president of the International Psoriasis Council and chair of Baylor, Scott, and White in Dallas. Welcome, Dr. Mentor.
1: Thank you, and I do appreciate the invitation.
0: Today, we're going to be talking about the joint AAD NPF guidelines of care for the management and treatment of psoriasis with biologics. Dr. Mentor, can you first tell us the history of these guidelines?
1: Yes, the guidelines do go back a couple of decades with our last guideline that we did 10 years ago, 2008 2009, when we did a number of guidelines, including psoriasis, psoriatic arthritis, phototherapy, systemic therapy, topical therapy, and biologics. But I think what's happened in the last 10 years is a whole, you know, multitude of changes that have taken place in the field of psoriasis, understanding of the fact we're now dealing with a systemic disease with multiple new biologic drugs being approved, and also understanding of the multiple comorbidities of psoriasis. And those two issues, i.e. the number of biologics and number two, the comorbidities, are really what took the number one and number two places in our decision to restart the guidelines.
0: So once that decision has been made, how do you assemble the right team to come up with these guidelines? A difficult
1: question because uh, new guidelines for all specialties is that 51% of a guideline committee cannot have a conflict of interest with industry. So it took us almost two years to create a approximately 25-member guideline committee and uh, where half of the 51% had no conflict of interest with industry, had never given a talk, never uh, done a study, et cetera. And so we did invite the National Psoriasis Foundation to join us because uh, we felt that possibly patients uh, as well as research fellows with no conflict of interest could be helpful, which certainly has worked out that way.
0: And these new guidelines, what sort of clinical questions are addressed?
1: Well, the two new guidelines that will be published in Journal of American Academy of Dermatology in April are one, biologics. We discuss all the biologics. Number two, uh, comorbidities, and we discuss all 12 comorbid conditions that have been linked to psoriasis. And those will be published next month. The next four guidelines will be published later on this year, which will be phototherapy, uh, systemic therapies, topical therapies, and pediatric psoriasis.
0: When we're reading guidelines, one of the things that is often discussed are the levels of evidence behind these guidelines. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that?
1: Well, we certainly try as hard as we possibly can as a guideline committee to be sure that everything that we publish in the guidelines have a good, strong level of evidence behind it. Certainly, there are times where we have to give our own opinions where issues have not been appropriately uh, finalised. But having a, a spectrum of of people on the guideline committee, we make very sure that every conceivable publication is reviewed, and then we review it ourselves as a guideline committee and discuss it accordingly.
0: Thank you. You mentioned that some guidelines were initially developed many years ago, and certainly in the past decade, we've had sort of an explosion of the number of different biologics, um, and it's, it's difficult to sort of keep up with all of those, so these guidelines are going to be particularly helpful for those practitioners who have been out in practice for several years, just a very nice reference. Some of the clinical questions that the guidelines address um, deal with each individual biologic and how it can be used uh, in the management of psoriasis. So I thought maybe we'd start by just talking about exactly some of those specific guidelines and what they are.
1: Well, I think what we've done is, number one, we've started from the original biologics that we had for psoriasis in the mid-2000s, the TNF-alpha drugs. Then we, and we, each one was discussed, the, all four, uh, TANICEF, infleximab, adalimumab, and Uh, citalizumab, which is most recently approved for psoriasis. All those drugs were approved for psoriatic arthritis before they were approved for psoriasis. But I think we've leaped forward in the field of biologic therapy by then discussing the IL-12-23 drug, then the three IL-17 drugs that are now available, and the three IL-23 drugs that are now available. And we also discuss future drugs that are potentially... Uh, will be available within the next year or two. And we then discuss each of those drugs uh, relatively in detail insofar as the way that practicing dermatologists can uh, you know, decide on which biologics to use and how to use them properly.
0: It's also interesting that guidelines do address things like patient preferences, and some of these biologics are administered differently or at different frequencies, and, and certainly... Some of those factors are taken into consideration as well, as well as treatment failures and when it's okay to switch and and how to go about doing that. So these certainly are are very helpful for the practicing clinician. Um, I think they're also helpful in counseling patients. The guidelines cover different things such as risk and benefits and comorbidities, uh, things like malignancies, hepatitis B and C. How do you decide what sort of things to include in the guidelines?
1: Well, that's a very interesting question because, uh, you know, a lot of it is based on our clinical experience. All of us on the guideline committee have been involved in clinical trials uh, with biologics, have published uh, multiple articles on uh, biologic therapies. So I think the biggest issue that we still certainly don't have a definitive answer for is if you have a patient with moderate to severe psoriasis, which biologic drug, and TNF-alpha and IL-17 and IL-23 and il twelve twenty three is going to work best for which patient? Currently, we don't have biomarkers that can predict uh, the natural drug for the right person. But on the other hand, our new drugs are producing a 90% PASI-75 score and a 70% PASI-90 score, that means our new biologic drugs are working in the vast majority of patients. With the big unknown, in addition to which drug is, works best for which person, is can we predict when a patient is clear
0: how long they're going to remain clear
1: for and what is going to be the trigger factors that cause a potential flare-up, something that every patient asks and every physician in clinical practice has to understand.
0: Very interesting. So currently in the April edition, we have two sets of guidelines, correct? There is the first article talks about the biologics. The second article addresses some of the comorbidities. Is this correct?
1: That is correct, yes. Uh, those are the titles of the two upcoming guidelines next month, biologics and comorbidities.
0: And when can we expect the additional guidelines?
1: The additional guidelines should be published within the next six months. The other four guidelines... Uh, two out of the remaining four, in other words, phototherapy, uh, is already almost complete. Uh, and the pediatric psoriasis, working with our pediatric dermatology colleagues, is likewise almost complete. So the final two will be on topical therapy and systemic therapy. And I hope all four will be published by the end of the year.
0: Wow, that's quite comprehensive. And I'm sure it was in a enormous amount of work. We really appreciate everything that you've done for the Academy.
1: Well, certainly it's been a very, very long, kind of long, I wouldn't say tiring, but I think it's been very positive and we're all delighted to see that the first two are now uh, in press.
0: Well, Dr. Mentor, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for sort of introducing us to these two guideline articles that are out and certainly the two that are coming out as well. We look forward to... um, reading those as well. Are there any final thoughts with which you would like to leave our listeners?
1: Well, that's a very good question. I do appreciate the opportunity to discuss these guidelines, seeing it's taken a rather long time to get redone. It's been 10 years now since our last guidelines. But I think the important aspect, our guidelines are relatively lengthy, uh, you know, 40, 50, 60 pages for each guideline, which means that a fair amount of time has to be taken by our dermatology colleagues in clinical practice to read the guidelines. But I think if they can find the time to read them, I hope uh, that they would recognize the uh, you know, consistency of the guidelines and how appropriate these guidelines will be for all our colleagues in clinical practice. And then possibly to keep them on hand, so if they're prescribing a new biologic that they haven't had much experience of, They could get all the data from the the guidelines paper. Thank you.
0: Yes, I agree with you. I think that these guidelines are going to be amazing references for many years to come.
1: Well, very thoughtful of you, and I do appreciate that. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Dr. Mentor.
1: I appreciate the time. Thanks for having me.